0: So today we're talking about love has no faves. We're continuing in our series here and today we're going to focus on Luke 19 1 through 10 and how many knows what knows what Luke 19 1 through 10 in is it's okay if you don't. It's the story about Zacchaeus and who Zacchaeus is why this story is so significant as Jesus is working his way to Jerusalem. So but before we do let's let's pray. Let's just bow our heads and let's just be ready to receive God's word. Lord, we just thank you for this morning, that you've given us another day of life, that you've given us another opportunity to sit before you and to be that, your hands and feet. God, I just pray, I know all of us have things going on in our lives right now, whether they're good, they're bad, whatever may be happening right now. God, I just pray that we would let those things go, that we give them to you, Lord, and that we would allow you just to speak to us this morning, Lord. That our hearts would be open to receive what you have for us. That they're not here by just coincidence or chance. Everyone's here in this room, here at the church today for a reason, God. So I ask that you would bless everyone here today, God. Let their hearts be prepared. Let their hearts be open, ready to receive your word. And I thank you for the opportunity, Lord. Thank you for the opportunity to serve you. And I pray that we are a church of action and that we just take care and do your business. We thank you, Lord, in your Son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. So, if you have a Bible, I encourage you to uh, open it up. If not, don't worry about it. We'll put the verses up here on the screen, or if you have some electronics, that's great. I really want to encourage you guys to bring your Bible. The Bible is kind of our way to communicate with God. It's his love letter to us, and it's a great way for us to really find out who he is and why we're um, pursuing him and, what, and the things that we do. Um, so let's look at Luke 19, 1 through 10, and see what happens here, and let's read the whole story. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your home today. So he came down at once and he welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay them back four times. Sorry, I'll pay them back four times what I've taken. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. We see here in verses 1 through 4, we see the wealthy tax collector, Zacchaeus, who can't see over the crowd because of his stature. So he runs ahead and climbs to see Jesus. So our first point here this morning is unlikely people seek Jesus. Now, we have to understand who Zacchaeus is and why it's so significant that this story is in the Bible. So to become a tax collector, you go to an auction, a public auction. And you've got to remember, Zacchaeus is a Jewish person. He's an Israelite. He's somebody of their own people. But their own people went to this auction to bid on who could collect the most taxes for the Roman government. So these people that would go to this auction would bid on this. And the one who won would become the chief tax collector. And the chief tax collector would then go out and hire other people to be subordinates to him, who would actually give him a commission of what they collected. So with Zacchaeus doing this, people know who he was, and it says that he's, he's a successful tax collector because it says he was wealthy. So he was doing a pretty good job of hitting his own people up and collecting more than what he should be collecting. So We have Zacchaeus, a wealthy man consumed by money and power, a tax collector who cheated his own people on behalf of the Roman government, who takes interest in Jesus. Now, why? Because according to the world's standards and to everything he has, he has it all, right? He has power, he has money, he has influence. He has the fear and or the respect of the people. But why was he so interested in Jesus? Why are we here today? Why are we so interested in Jesus? I believe that Jesus was at work in his heart, that Zacchaeus recognized what he was doing was wrong. And when he heard about Jesus, what Jesus was doing on his way to Jericho as he was passing through, he was forgiving people, healing people, and doing those things, he wanted to find out firsthand who this Jesus is. Because you guys also understand with Zacchaeus, he was a very prominent figure in his community. Whether he was liked or not, he was someone of power and prestige. During his time, for someone of his status to run was a no-no. They didn't run, right? Because I have it together. I know what I'm doing. So he took his time to go places. So for Zacchaeus to run ahead and to try to, to see Jesus, it's very significant. And also for Zacchaeus to climb a tree. I mean, that's undignified. I mean, here he is. He's somebody of power, of prestige, of, of, of influence within his community, whether right or wrong. And here he is willing to let all that go so he can go and see who this Jesus is. So there's something happening in Zacchaeus' heart that's causing him to let go of who he is and what he is because he knows this man Jesus might be able to help him. So how many of us today have seen or watched the Bible series on the History Channel? Anybody see that? Man, it was an amazing thing. It was a huge success. first night had over 13 million viewers and, the, who watched, and millions who watched the entire series. The Bible Ministries had such great success that the History Channel was the top cable network, both in total viewership with adult ages between 25 and 54 for the month of March. They had more viewers than NBC, NBC had total together. The Bible is produced by uh, Mark Burnett and his wife, uh, Roma Downey, and it first broke television program records on March 3rd. And with this, they actually started saying that, okay, we need to have a follow-up to this. And what they did is they got out the home videos uh, right away, and the miniseries sold 525,000 within hours of its release. It is the fastest-selling miniseries ever in the history of TV. So while stature among ministries is impressive, it also um, they created another show to follow up called Jesus of Nazareth, another miniseries that they're very excited to get out here very soon and very quickly. So what does that say? Why was the Bible series, um, uh, the Bible series on the History Channel, so successful? Because we have people right now who are seeking Jesus, who want to know who is this Jesus. Right, our culture bombarding them with uh, take care of yourself, do things for your own self, be selfish in nature. Um, but here it is. Here's a miniseries that, honestly, the critics who previewed it said it was going to flop. Said they'd it, it, be surprised if it lasted past the first, uh, first showing. So here it is. Here's the series that somebody put together, and they put out there, and they took a chance on the History Channel, and is the most successful miniseries in cable network history. That says something. It says that people are hungry for the word of God, that people are curious and, I believe, being led by God to find out more about him. So basically, today, we should not judge a book by its cover. Right? How many Zacchaeuses do we have in our lives? Or maybe we're Zacchaeus. And we so often judge people by the way they look, how they dress, the power and position that they hold. But maybe what we need to do instead is be a a person, go out and plant seeds. Or maybe we're the ones there to water, maybe we're the ones there to nourish what, the, um, what needs to happen with these people. We are called to fulfill the Great Commission. So in verse 5 through 7, we also see people here condemning Jesus for welcoming and wanting to stay with someone like Zacchaeus. So it says, all the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. What does that say about Jesus? What does that say that he wants to say with Zacchaeus? And he welcomes him, and Zacchaeus welcomes him gladly. It says that Jesus seeks unlikely people. So it's amazing how God has taken this time to really pursue Zacchaeus. And and this is really, again, significant because he's on his way to Jerusalem. Zacchaeus is one of the last few people to actually sit down with Jesus and actually break bread with him and actually to have a conversation and engage with him before what happens. In, uh, Jerusalem. So God seems like he likes to visit and use unlikely people within the community, within the world. Let's take a look at this list of who God uses. God used Gideon. This is Judges 6 through 7. How many know the story of Gideon? He was fearfully threshing wheat in a wine press to lead an army of 300 to defeat Israel's enemies who are as numerous as locusts. This was Gideon who said he was unqualified to save the Israel, Israelites because his clan was the weakest and he was the least important in his father's house. But God already knew this and when he, when he chose him as commander-in-chief and he promised to be with him. So therefore, don't let your self-esteem, your low self-esteem or your low socioeconomic stas, status or the, challenge, challenges, uh, the challenge's magnitude stop you from doing God's bidding. Understand that when you are weak, then God is strong on your behalf. And let him work on you and on your weaknesses as you work on his job and fulfill your life's purpose. Recognize also that Gideon's fear did not flee overnight. right? A lot of us think that, hey, if I give my life to Christ, I'm man, we're good, I'm solved. I don't have to have anything to worry about. But no, it says right here that Gideon, he's still fearful, and what did he do? He kept asking God for signs. And God kept providing him until the point when Gideon truly believed that he could do it and he went and did it with God's help. The next person we're going to look at is God also used Moses. He looked at his qualifications in his present life situation. He was a shepherd in the desert. God asked who he was that he asked God like who am I to go tell the Pharaoh to release his people. Moses also told God that he was an eloquent speaker um, that he stammered but God knew this when he chose him and he promised he'd be with them Help them speak and teach, what to, teach them what to say. Therefore, don't disqualify yourselves just because you lack qualifications. God's presence in your life is all the qualifications you guys need to fulfill his purpose and your life's purpose. The next person I want to take a quick look at in the Bible is Jesus used Simon Peter to lead his church after ascension despite Simon denying him three times. How many of us deny Christ on a daily basis? And think that God can't use us at all again. Simon Peter denies him three times. Three times and God still chooses to use him. So maybe you've made many mistakes and you've written yourself off because God has not written you off. Repent and he'll restore you and use you just as he restored to use Simon Peter. So the question here is, what do these three men have in common? What is the one thing that they... Resp- that they had that they all did, and they were there. First of all, Christ was pursuing them. Christ was pursuing them, and then they responded immediately to Jesus. Now it didn't mean they had all their questions answered, but they responded immediately. Then they had a heart for God who was open for God's prompting. So let's look at this picture. Anybody know who that is? It's the Pope. And it's Pope Francis, the newly elected official who, who basically is the head of the Catholic Church. And I wish we could zoom out a little bit. What you would see, he's, kissing, he's washing and kissing the feet of some prisoners. And these prisoners are Muslim. It says a lot about the Pope. I, you know, I believe Pope Francis put um, this verse that Jesus taught in Matthew 5, 46 through 47 into, into action. It says, if you love those who, who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. So I want you guys to take a moment right now and think about the people in your life, especially the ones you really don't like or maybe you're really frustrated at right now, maybe that you have a hard time with. Um, maybe they're your friends. I know, hopefully you like them. So maybe friends aren't, is not a good illustration there. Uh, maybe they're uh, some family members, co-workers, maybe it's even your boss that you don't get along with. I want you guys to actually right now close your eyes and to envision that person in your mind right now. Who is the person that you trust to least? Who is the biggest jerk to you? Now, I want you to also remember why you don't like them. Or why you're mad at them. Do you see them? Now I want you to imagine Jesus chasing after them with unconditional love. How does that make you feel? Go ahead and open your eyes. It's pretty hard, isn't it? I know when I did that, I thought about an individual and, and actually it was a former teammate of mine. We'll just call him Big T, and I, I've shared the story before, but I'm going to share it again. Um, Big T was an offensive lineman, and I'm a defensive lineman. I, and just so you know, I played in the NFL, played for 10 years, played 9 years to Detroit, and 1 year with the Denver Broncos. And Big T was a teammate of mine in Detroit. Now, Big T was voted as one of the dirtiest players in the NFL. That says a lot, right? I mean, if you're, if you're voted, and I think he's actually the, in the top 10, of being one of the dirtiest players in the NFL. I mean, actually, he probably would have fit better on the Raiders team than with us <laughs> in Detroit. But that's, that's neither here nor there. No, just kidding. Um, so ter- uh, Big T and I, would we'd go at each other every day. I mean, we'd compete against each other and do all those type of things. And I'm his teammate. You know, we're supposed to take care of your teammates. He didn't take care of us. He was out to take our our jobs away he was out to just prove how bad and nasty he could be so he he, we used to get in pile ups he used to punch us he used to hit us in areas that you shouldn't be hit in, grab areas that you shouldn't be grabbed in i mean he was poking gouging your eyes and doing all those things and simple was not a guy that i wanted to really share the gospel with you know maybe that person you're just thinking of right now how how bad do you want to share jesus with them So what happened is, as, we, as I got to you know, be a part of, uh, member of with, uh, with Big T and we started practicing and working together, after practice, I was one of the last guys to leave, and all of a sudden, here comes Big T to sit by me. First of all, I'm still mad at him from practice. <laughs> second of all, he sits down right next to me. He goes, hey, Luther, hey, I, I hear you're a Christian, and I, I see what you do, and man, I've never, never really thought about it until here recently, and and could you just share a little bit of why you're a Christian, or you know what do I, what does that mean? What does that look like? And most of you guys are probably like, oh yeah, let me let me you know. Maybe you guys are like, hey, let me share. I'll be honest. First of all, when he came over, I was like, oh, gosh, please, I don't want to fight. I, I don't want to fight. Like, let's not do this right here, right now. Um, and we're in towels. Like, come on. It's not, it's not the place. Um, but then, then, and then I thought about, all right, he's asking something very significant, right? Here he is. He, he's pursuing Christ. He's something's happening within his own heart, and Christ is pursuing him. And, and here's a great opportunity to share Christ with him. And what did I do? My heart. I had a hardened heart towards him. You know, I, I didn't say no, but I was pretty short with him. I was, alright, Tony, yeah, you know, um, encourage you to read the book of John and uh, we have Bible studies on, uh, you know, Fridays, and then we have, you know, chapel Sunday mornings. Which I know I see you at chapel because, again, everybody came to chapel on Sundays because nobody wanted to get hurt, right? They believe, hey, God, you're my lucky rabbit's foot. You know, I'm going to chapel. You bless me. But uh, you know, I just shared real briefly with them, and then I said, you know, I go to a church called Kensington, and and you know, Dave, actually our team chaplain, he he's uh, he's a, he's the, one of the teaching pastors there. So why don't you talk to Dave? That's what I gave him. So, how about you? How's that Zacchaeus in your life? How's it when you see God, because right, you guys know, you see it, you see something's happening in their life, or maybe they're asking questions, and maybe it's just a real quick glimpse in their life, or maybe it's just a quick open door that we have an opportunity to step into and to be Jesus' hands and feet. Now, I was more like Jonah. Everybody knows the story of Jonah. You know, God tells him he needs to go talk to the invites. He's like, I'm going this way. You know, he didn't want to do it. That was my heart towards big T. So who in your life right now is Jesus speaking to you about? Remember that person you just saw in your mind? Think about how many times Jesus has opened the door for you to share who he is. And I'm not talking about you need to come out and bang him over the head with the Bible and say, wake up. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about what we just saw up here on the first video, being his hands and feet and loving on them. Romans 2.11 says, For God does not show favoritism, and neither should we. We should be willing to serve those he brings in our lives. Zacchaeus is one of those unlikely people that Jesus was seek, and now we get to see how Zac- Jesus changed Zacchaeus in verses 8 through 10 in our passage. Let's look at that right now. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here I am now, and I give half of my possessions to the poor. And I have che- if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. The amazing thing here is that Zacchaeus, first and foremost, calls Jesus by who he really is, Lord. Then he also starts confessing um, his sins and what he did do, cheating his own people and and the sins that he committed that he didn't help the poor. Sometimes it's so obvious what we do wrong that we forget to do what's right, like helping the poor, the homeless, the unlovely, um, visiting the prisons. But Zacchaeus actually goes above and beyond what's protocol of his time, and this is very significant, just for you guys to understand. When he says, I will pay back four times the amount, the law during that time only required you to pay twice the amount back. And everybody knew that. So Zacchaeus was really, something happened. During those conversations that he had with Jesus while he was at, Jesus was at his home, something happened within him. Jesus was seeking him, and Jesus caused the change in his heart that he said, Not only twice, but Lord, I'm going to pay back four times the amount that I would owe. His actions speak louder than words. It shows that he was truly transformed inside out. So, what does Zacchaeus' response say about his encounter with Jesus? Do you really believe Jesus can save others that are so unlikely? that Zacchaeus is in your lives? Can Jesus really make changes in unlikely people? You know, Big T called, um, actually our team chaplain, Dave, a few years later called me and said, hey, you won't believe this, but because uh, he, he, I shared everything with, uh, with Dave. I, I, he was my mentor, and, and I, I shared it with um, just my frustration with Tony. Uh, sorry I to call him Big T. Big um, T. And a few years later, he calls. He goes, "You won't believe this, but Big T's getting married." I'm like, "Who would want to marry him?" <laughs> I, I'm going to be praying for the girl. What's her name? So, um, but he goes, "No, no, he, he's getting married, and you won't believe this. He is a follower of Christ." I was like, "What? Big T?" guy who is voted the dirtiest player in the NFL. the guy who got at least two penalties every game for late hits. I mean, that guy, that guy who actually even turned on his own teammates. the guy who said, you know what, I think I'm a racist. I don't like anybody with color. That guy? Somebody has something in their heart for him? He's like, you know what, Luther? Not only does he have Christ now, but he wants to invite you and Rebecca to his wedding. And not just to be a guest, but he wants you to be a guest of honor. i got to be honest, folks, I was like, what? I mean, first of all, he's inviting me to his wedding. I mean, I wasn't exactly the nicest guy to him. Now, I wasn't outright rude or uh, disrespectful to him. But I wasn't saying, hey, Big T, you want to go get something to eat? You know, I wasn't doing that. But I finally did get to talk to him on his wedding day and it was a, an amazing wedding. I mean, there were hundreds if not thousands of people there. And he pulled me aside. He pulled me aside and said how I impacted his life and how I helped him to come to know Jesus Christ. Now I just shared with you guys how I responded to him. And he said... <laughs> It wasn't my words. (laughs) I can understand why. Um, But he said, what it was was my actions on and off the field and how I engaged with people. He said, I could see the love of Christ in you for the people that came in contact with you. So he started attending Kensington. He started being mentored by Dave. And he surrendered everything. He became a follower of Christ. Thank God, God works outside of what I would consider to be the way it needs to be done, right? This guy is on fire right now, Big T. He started his own nonprofit foundation. He takes terminally ill or very um, disabled young children to uh, hunting trips all around the world. Safaris doing different things. He pays for the whole thing. he brings them out, he takes care of the families, he helps them with their bills. He's also involved with FCA, which is Fellowship of Christian Athletes. He puts one together back in Michigan. He helps fund it, sponsor it, brings out those type of the youth up there. And then more importantly, he's leading men to Christ. He's doing what I wouldn't do. He doesn't care who you are, what you are, what you've done. He says, I love you. Let me share about who Jesus is and what he's done in my life. So what about you? What about your Zacchaeus? What about if you're Zacchaeus? You're not here by chance. God has you here for a reason. Uh, I want you guys right now, if you could, welcome Doc up here on stage. Morning. How are you guys doing today? (laughs) Doc is a good friend of mine, dear friend of mine, and uh, a brother in the Lord, and I've been fortunate enough and blessed enough to be able to walk with him in his life. And, Doc, I just want you to share a little bit today. Um, I want you to first and foremost uh, share maybe what was your life like pre-Christ before you came to really know.
1: Well, to be honest with you guys, um, my mom and I I got a Vietnam vet dad. He was an alcoholic. My mom was real religious, so you know how that household went. Dad was drinking on Sundays after church, and we all got forced to go to church. Um, I walked away from the church about 11, 12 years old and started packing guns and gang-banging and dope-dealing. Um, before Christ, there, there wasn't really life. I thought, I thought I had it all together, you know. I, I made $1,000 a week just selling drugs and robbing and stealing from people, you know, and, and always looking over my shoulder and looking behind my back and just not being the person that God wants any of us to be, really, you know.
0: Yeah. So how did you come to know Christ? how did you come here to K2? What was God doing in your life that helped to move you to where you're at today?
1: Well, about three and a half years ago, I mean, I, I've been to jail and stuff and none of that really mattered. Uh, all my friends were like, oh yeah, let's go out of our jail cell and let's go to church. All right. Yeah, that's good for you. I'm going to sit here and do push ups and dips. Have a good one. Um, about three years ago though, I just started looking at my kids, and I was looking at their lives, and I was looking at my life, and just it wasn't going the way I wanted it to go. So I, I asked my wife, I said, hey, you know what, maybe we should check out a church. And uh, we passed by K2 a couple times, and we ended up actually moving out to Oregon and started going to this thing called Cowboy Church. Um, ended up back in Utah and uh, started coming to K2. One of my buddies invited me here, and, and I just started coming here and been a lot different for sure
0: yeah so how'd you come to know christ what what was what what was the thing that here that um and i know it's not the church but i'm talking about what was your relationship with christ how did it come to that point to where you're ready to surrender and and go for it
1: well um i was working I, i i mean i i'm a new construction plumber by trade did that for 13 years and uh making all that money. I wasn't even doing drugs or nothing like that, but couldn't keep a house, couldn't keep a roof over my head, ended up in hotels and this and that. And I'm sitting there telling my wife, I don't know what we're doing wrong. I don't know what we're doing wrong. And I finally surrendered and I gave my life to Christ. I, I gave up doing me. I, I finally said it was his will, not mine. And it was time for me to just change. And, and, you know, I, I asked my wife and to come with me and just to follow along with me. And, She did, and I met a lot of people here at K2, actually, that Luther, for one, that I was walking by, and, you know, just in the back of the church, being a watcher and not really wanting to get involved with the church, and this big guy right here grabbed me and said, hey, you're coming to this men's fraternity with me. I said, okay, um, (laughs) as long as you don't beat me up, dude, I'm good, you know? So um, by the grace of God and, you know, just changing my life. I'm a hope dealer now instead of a dope dealer, you know?
0: (laughs) Amen. Amen. So real quick, one last question. Um, so it's been easy, right? It's been rosy, peachy Now you know Christ now. It's an easy road. Nothing's happening. Hey, but just share real quick what's going on and and just, uh, what your relationship with Christ has done for you.
1: Oh yeah. It's been really easy. The Lord told me to quit my job and start trying to help out other people find work. (laughs) I, I don't know where that was going, but, uh, no, it hasn't been roses. It hasn't been, you know, I, am not, didn't gain all kinds of wealth and stuff like that by chasing the Lord. In fact, I, I stepped back from myself and I started doing his work, not mine. I actually, um, started a nonprofit organization where I'm helping homeless people, ex cons and at risk youth back off the streets and to work and back into society. And, uh, Oh, it's a struggle on a daily basis. I mean, every day I, I pray to the Lord just to help me not to sin. I mean, I'm a wreck. I mean, talk about judge a book by a cover. I get judged on a daily. I walked out of church one day, and this lady looked at me. We we're sitting in the grocery store, and she's like, hey, do you need some pills? And I looked at my wife, and I said, man, do I look high off of church or something? What am I doing? <laughs> you know, and I, and I was nervous. I was like, no, I don't need your pills, but uh, thanks for offering, I guess. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you think that you're going to come to Christ and it's going to be a bed of roses and life's going to be great, don't come to Christ for that reason. You got to come to Christ for your own self surrendering. You got to surrender it all. Um, I'm on a relentless pursuit now. You know, I went to ATF, the acquire the fire and man that for any of you guys that their kids were around me or nothing like that, your kids are amazing. Um, they shared life and truth into me. Honestly, I got more out of it than probably the kids did.
0: Right on, Doc. Well, hey, thank you. Thanks for thank coming you on. for really to me. Come up here, bro. Thank you. Sorry, I'm just a big baby at heart. <laughs> um, so we just heard from Doc. We heard about Big T. We see the Bible talking about Zacchaeus, very unlikely person to, that we would consider that would seek Christ. He has power, he has wealth, he has money, he has influence, whether it's right or wrong. He has all these things that today's world, even today's world, would consider very successful. So what does the story of Zacchaeus mean to you? What does it really mean, and what's the action that we're asking you to take today? What are the things that, that Christ is moving in your life right now? Don't think you're here by coincidence, or by just chance. God has a reason for you being here today. God has something that he really wants to share with you, and that's his love. Guys, this is the only place in the world where you're going to find unconditional love. It's not, going to be, it's not going to be love based on emotion. It's not going to be love based on you do this and I'll do that. This is truly unconditional love. None of us deserve his grace. So if you're a believer in Jesus, then you need to start looking around you and see who Jesus has placed in your life. Who are the Zacchaeus? Who's that person you saw, or maybe there's other people in your life that you need to be Christ's hands and feet to? If you're not a believer today, that's okay. You're not alone. It is hard. It's hard to think about, I'm going to surrender to somebody who I don't see, who I read about, who I see all these people gathering, and I'm not sure about these people. I'm going to surrender everything to that. Maybe today is your day to do that. Or maybe today is your chance to continue on your journey and hopefully you feel welcomed here. Hopefully you feel the unconditional love that we as a church try to have for you and that there's a reason why you're here today. My hope is that you'll consider the remarkable claims that Christ makes about himself. Jesus is the Son of God. He is God in the flesh. He came for you. Everything that we talked about, think about the stories we shared with Gideon, with Moses, with Simon Peter. Here are people who said, God, you can't use me. Forget it. You don't know what I've done. But the great thing is, he knows what you've done. And you know what? He still loves you. He went to the cross for you. He gave it all up for you. I'm gonna give you an opportunity right now to receive Christ. There's not no magical prayer. There's nothing that, you know, there is a sinner's prayer, but I'm just saying it's a conversation between you and Jesus. I'm way over my time, so we're gonna make this quick, but... uh, I want you to take the time right now. Basically, all you got to do is say, Jesus, I'm a sinner, and I accept you as my Lord and Savior. And I lay down my life before you today going forward, and I'm willing to follow you. So if you want to mind, everybody just bow your heads real quick, and if you're that person, I just encourage you, just have a conversation with Christ right now. And for you, though, for those of you who are believers today, I ask them right now that you pray, lift these people up. You don't know who they are, but that's okay. The Lord does, and he's moving right now in their hearts, and I just pray that we would lift these people up. You guys got to remember, Jesus forgives people, and he changes them. He will change you. So we'll sum up our story. You guys can look up here real quick. Tax, tax cheat Zacchaeus finds salvation after seeking and believing in Jesus. So if you just gave your life to Christ today, I want to offer you something. We give away free Bibles. You're going to be out in the lobby, and, and if you're not sure where to go, I want you to find somebody that says K2 Connections Team. That's what they're there for. They're there to help you to answer any questions you have about the church. We also have a video that's going to be going on back here that says Discover K2. That You can go back and find out more about what is K2 about. Sorry. Reflect there. You know, sorry. Too many shots to the head. Laughter. Um, but you have an opportunity to go and receive the Bible, and then also we have, um, um, help me somebody starting Wednesdays at seven. Base camp. Thank you, thank you. Sorry again, too many shots. Uh, we have base camp. Base camp is a journey. It's an opportunity for you to come to find out who is this Jesus. It's starting Wednesday at seven p.m. right here in this church. So if you just want to talk afterwards, I invite you to come up up here. I'll help you with the next steps. But there is a step. It's a call to action. K2 is not of a church that's going to be bleacher creatures. Well, K2 is a church that gets out and moves. We get out and do things. And if that's kind of environment, community you want to be involved with, we're not perfect. Trust me, we are not perfect. We stumble and fall all the time. We step on each other's toes all the time. But what we are is we are followers of Christ. And we are willing to stand and move forward in his name. If you want to be a part of something like that, you want to have people who will try to love you unconditionally, then this is a home for you. So please, if you have an opportunity, come up here and um, afterwards. And I'd love, love to share about those next steps and give you a little more information. So basically, sum it all up, guys. Let's not judge people. Let's look where they're at right now, and let's love on them, and let's be the hands and feet of Jesus. Let's real quick, let's just finish out in prayer here lord i just thank you for this day i thank you for these people i thank you for their hearts i thank you for what you've done god you are an awesome amazing god that you would come down and take upon yourself all of our sins that you would do what you did on that cross which i it's hard to fathom god that that's unconditional love what it looks like is you up on that cross god i thank you for those who gave their lives to you today I thank you for those who are believers today who are bringing people who are being in your hands and feet. God, may you just continue to bless this church and bless the people. God, we thank you. Thank you for who you are. And we praise you. And all God's children said, Amen.